Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. On this episode, we're going to be talking about data. Now, don't let that scare you away. I can assure you that I don't want to get too technical because, frankly, I'll get lost myself. And nearly 10 years ago, the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement worked alongside the Arkansas Insurance Department to create the Arkansas Healthcare Transparency Initiative. And among the other data sets, like birth and death records and cancer registry data that are included in that, is the state's All-Payer Claims Database, or APCD. Now, about 20 states have these large data sets that contain paid insurance claims for the services that residents access. The claims contain information such as the provider who rendered the service, where it was rendered, how much the insurer paid, and any diagnoses related to that service. This is information that can be useful in assessing the level of access across the state to certain healthcare services, the prices for those services, and certain aspects of system performance, including some quality measurement. But these data do have limitations. For example, While a claim may be able to tell you whether someone with diabetes had a blood sugar check at an appropriate interval, it won't tell you what the outcome of that test actually was. That is, whether the person's blood sugar is under control. And that's where electronic health records come into play. So, here to talk with us about that data and efforts to share electronic health records among providers is Ann Santifer, who is the executive director of the Office of Health Information Technology at the Arkansas Department of Health, which houses the State Health Alliance for Records Exchange, or SHARE. Now, before her time at the Office of Health Information Technology, I know she worked on the Patient-Centered Medical Home Program with the Arkansas Department of Human Services, or DHS. And for a brief time, we were just cubicles away when I was doing some consulting work at DHS, and she was working on home and community-based services there as well. Thanks, Anne, for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Craig. This is exciting. All right. So before we get into more serious stuff, I want to know what keeps you busy when you're not working besides going to the pool at the racket club, which I do as well. Kids, man. I I got two kids. I have a 14-year-old going into high school and a 5-year-old going into kindergarten. So I get the full spectrum of of raising kids and entertaining kids and chauffeuring kids around to sports and all that good stuff. But I love it. I know it's short-lived. You know, my daughter's a teenager now, so she spends less time with us. So I'm enjoying every moment I can. Is, she's a good, is she a good babysitter? She's a great babysitter. Excellent. Excellent. We have to pay her. <laughs> but we pay her in Lululemon. So really, there I get you a go, discount. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, I know this is a tough question for all of my guests, but I have to ask it. What would you say is your theme song? Okay, that is really hard. And, you know, <laughs> I had to think a lot about this. But I think... You know, Jack Johnson's Better Together is, uh-huh. is a good a good description. I'll tell you one thing, it's always better when we're together. Mm, 
It's always better when we're together. Yeah, we'll look at them stars and we're together. Well, it's always better when we're together. Yeah, it's always better when we're together. Good mellow tune. Good mellow. Yeah. It's fun. You know, I feel like that's what I spend a lot of time doing is bringing people together, collaborating with making people. Links. Yeah, making links, <laughs> linking providers together, linking, you know, our Department of Human Services with our Department of Health and getting them to collaborate more when it comes to data. So I would say that better Good. together. Good. We not are a, better when we are together. Not an easy job, but it's got to be done, right? Yeah. So, um, what is the information contained in an electronic health record, and how do providers use that information? So I like to always describe to people, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, you know when you go to the doctor and they're entering all that information into the computer? We collect all that, ah. all in real time, <laughs> which is great. So as your doctor's um, entering information into that medical record, SHARE, the HIE, the Health Information Exchange, is um, consuming that information. So as they put in medications, labs, diagnosis, treatment plans, the doctor's notes, so the narrative of what yeah. happened during the appointment, any lab results, mm -hmm. um, any any information they put into the EMR. And, and the goal and how providers can really utilize this information is to be more aware, right? So when you come in as a patient, you know, it was just a few years ago. We used to have to go to our old provider, right. get the paper records, bring it over to your new doctor and say, hey, this is what happened. And now, you know, they also need some time to review that. Share facilitates all that exchange. So, you know, when providers are using different electronic medical records, those don't usually talk to each other. So different brands, kind of like an Apple and an Android, okay. when it comes to healthcare and electronic medical records, those don't generally talk to each other. And that's where SHARE comes in. We are the okay. mediator or the translator of that data. We gather it from different sources, and then we share back with your doctors as you have encounters. So that way, when you go from one, pro one doctor to another, your information comes along. And the great thing for you and I and for everyone is that that oftentimes reduces duplication of services, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I just paid for my doctor to do this test. He referred me to a new doctor. You know, if they don't have that information, they're going to redo that test. I'm going to get stuck with another copay. Like, oh, God, you're going to make me do an MRI over again? Yes. Uh, <laughs> we can't. So th that's clearly why we need share. But how, how does it actually operate? What what are some of the functionalities that it has um, that that benefit providers and, and patients? So one thing we at Share um, our approach is a push approach. There's okay. different ways to do health information exchange. You know, you can have a provider seek out information where you, when you register, a call out goes out to Share and says, "Hey, do you have any information on Craig? If so, bring it back." So then the provider is aware before they see you. Okay. So many doctors do pre visit planning. That's when they get together in the morning and they look at their patient load and say, here's the patients that are coming in. Here's some of the things I need to talk to them about. So that's one way. The seeking and so, out. And so the reason that they would ask that, right, is because maybe that person hasn't gone to them for all their services, right? Maybe they've gone to other providers. They, they've gone to other providers or other specialists that use different medical record right. systems. So they don't have that information. So seeking out is great. And I think that works in many ways. We have some um, hospitals and some clinicians here who have auto queries. So the moment you register at that site, a call out goes out to share and huh. brings that data back. That's one way. 
The other way we really like to work with providers is pushing them information that is relevant on their patients. So when you go to the hospital, say you you your, your A1C was uncontrolled mm-hmm. and you went to the hospital, we are actually sending an alert out to your primary care physician that already has that relationship with you to say, hey, Craig was in the hospital last night. His A1C was uncontrolled. He was discharged. You know, at this time, here's some new meds we gave him. Yeah. Here's some new diagnosis or new things we found out about Craig. So then your primary care physician, who's generally your patient-centered medical home <laughs> provider. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. It's, he, they're aware, right? So yeah. now they can call you back into the office and say, okay, Craig, I see, you know, your A1C is uncontrolled. Yeah. I wasn't sure you were a diabetic, but now we know. So let's talk about a treatment plan and let's do whatever we can to prevent you from going back, back to that yeah. ER, right? Yeah. It's expensive to right. go to the ER. It's traumatic. It, it's, it's time yeah. consuming. Exactly. Right? It's all of these things. Right. Yeah. So we really want to focus on the preventative care, yeah. right? But sometimes we do have events, so we push that information over to the providers. Okay. And that also goes into some of their quality metrics that some of those patient center medical homes are responsible for, right? That's yeah. right. They're, they, they're, your pr- primary care doctor should follow up with you after <laughs> you have a hospitalization. And, and that does happen yeah. very frequently here in Arkansas. So, so how saturated is SHARE across the state, uh, meaning how many and kind of what types of providers participate? Yeah. Share uh, really started bringing in um, data sources, what we call data sources, in 2014 or 2015, right after it spun out from under ACHI. And uh, the first set that they targeted was hospitals because we know that's an expensive place to Mm -hmm. get care. So we went after I said, they went after hospitals first and we got all the hospitals connected. Then we started working on um, clinics. So today we have 115 hospitals connected. We have most of the hospitals here in Arkansas, but then we have relationships with our border cities too. So if you go to NEA Baptist in Memphis, that information still comes back here to to Arkansas. Which a lot of people do. They do. Just across the border. Exactly. Um, And then we have almost 3,000 clinic sites Mm. connected. Uh, Over the last couple of years, we've really been focusing on behavioral health. That's a huge topic. It's a hot topic right now, right? So... um, Behavioral health is very interesting because folks get very sensitive about sharing their behavioral health data, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to push anybody to do something they don't feel comfortable doing, but with behavioral health providers, we can agree on sharing medications, diagnoses, yeah. and labs. And I know that's certainly a gap you, you want to close. We don't yeah. want to differentiate between physical and mental health because, frankly, they affect each other. Correct. Right? Um, what are the barriers to getting into particularly the, the mental health clinics or other types of provider? Definitely notes. So okay. as you have an... Um, they still paper-based a lot. Yes, and, have, yeah. they are paper-based, <laughs> some of them. Some psychiatric hospitals here are still paper-based, but also all the notes that that mental health provider takes while they're having a visit with you. Mm-hmm. They're very um, protective of that. Mm-hmm. And that's just one area that just wasn't worth pushing it, yeah. right? It's appropriate for them to share um, as long as it's not substance abuse related, right? It's appropriate, but they don't feel comfortable. But a primary care physician is more interested on that. What new diagnosis? What new medications have you put them on so I can do that med reconciliation? Yeah, particularly when when the primary care physicians, at least at, at this point, aren't really delving that much into mental health services. We know that's 
that's a growth area for for primary care. But for the most part, they're still referring out those patients for in need of that type of care. Correct. So that coordination is is key. So and then the next hot area we're working on is social determinants of health. Mm. So you know. How outside factors affect your health is important for your primary care, your 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 providers, they're part of your care team. So they know if if a provider knows that you are homeless or maybe you or you're an unhoused individual that doesn't have frequent access to a refrigerator, they may need to adjust their prescribing patterns mm. to make sure they don't prescribe you anything that requires refrigeration. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Hark up in northwest Arkansas, I know you've talked to Ryan mm-hmm. before. Yeah. They're connected to Share, so we're collecting that information as they screen folks, making it part of the patient's chart. So then when that person goes back to their doctor, they have all the information that they need. Okay, I see your diagnosis. I see your medications. But I also see that you don't have a car. So I know I'm going to have to be very proactive about scheduling these appointments to make sure you have adequate time to get transportation or send transportation out themselves. And that's important that you're collecting that information because certainly um, as compared to uh, the claims information where – they're hopeful that they can collect similar information through the, you know, quote unquote, Z codes, which are infrequently used. The elusive Z codes. Um, you know, that that information is certainly much more real time and, and can be reacted to. Correct. Uh, by the yeah. And, you know, and I think there's definitely a space for, you know, the health information exchange and the all payers claims database yeah. to work together because they enrich each other. Yeah, right. Absolutely. We could send you that information. You can have all the, the lab results and all the things you're missing from claims and, and more frequently. So then we can talk about yeah. predictive analytics. Right. Yeah. What is the likelihood that this person's going to end up in the hospital within the exactly. next month? Exactly. So that, yeah, that combined uh, robustness of those two databases is it's something that we need to grasp hold of. And we're going to get there. I know we're going to get there. We're working on All it. All right. <laughs> so give me an example of how Share has worked optimally. So we can talk about the the pandemic. You know, okay. when the pandemic happened, um, providers, doctors didn't really know what was happening to their patients. Right. We have a system that we have set up um, to send alerts out. Right. Every every Provide, every primary care physician here in Arkansas has a patient panel under them that Share has created based on who is at that, who sees that doctor. Right, that they're essentially responsible for given the plurality of their visits. Right, right. or maybe their insurance company assigned that okay. doctor yeah. to them and right. said, okay, Craig, you're going to see Dr. Smith. Yeah. Um, so we have this infrastructure set up to send alerts out to our doctors when their patients have relevant event. Hmm. When COVID happened, it was easy for us to fold that back in there. So as patients tested positive, we were able to send alerts out. Mm -hmm. As patients got vaccinated, we're able to send those alerts out. As patients have not been vaccinated (laughs) and we should be targeting them, we can send that information out to them. So being able to push information out to our doctors in close to real time and in an aggregate fashion. So I'm not just looking at my Medicaid report. I'm not mm-hmm. just looking at my Blue Cross report. You get one file with all the payers on there because Share is able to see that patient from a global level mm-hmm. and see where they're having interactions. And then being part of the health department, we're able to gather yeah. that important information. And honestly, it was helpful to the health department too because it reduced the number of calls yeah. and you know information requests that we were getting about you know. Which one of my patients do I need to reach out yeah. for vaccination? Type of yeah, deal. and certainly during you know the pandemic, it, you weren't 
if you became infected or you went to go get your vaccine, you didn't really care where you were able to go. And most people were going to the pharmacy to get their, mm-hmm. their vaccination or to the Department of Health or to some, you know, um, free clinic somewhere. Um, so, so that was very important to capture that information because most people weren't going to their primary care doc. Correct. And then another way Share has been working um, in a different way is with health plans. So, you know, Blue Cross, your your Centene plan here in Arkansas, Arkansas Health and Wellness, Humana, all these payers, these mm-hmm. health plans have a need for this data. So we have set up automatic subscription feeds for them. So every month they give me a list of patients they're tracking. We turn around and send them in real time information that is happening to their patients. You know, one day when I grow up, (laughs) (laughs) I want to automate a lot of those kind of burdensome, annoying things that we do in healthcare, like (laughs) faxing. Like we need to eliminate that. Prior authorization. That requires a lot of phone calls, a lot of paperwork going back. How can we use data and technology to automate a lot of these functions? And the health plans, they have invested a lot of money in these fancy analytic tools that can do some, you know, forecasting, predictive analytics. Mm -hmm. And then maybe one day we can also do prior authorization. And and really, that's our goal. How can we reduce that burden on doctors of having to seek out paperwork to do their yeah, and just and get to somebody before and maybe an event might occur that could be predicted. Like, I was listening. There was some research the other day where th- there were uh, individuals who had an EKG and they could predict within a year who would have a major heart event based on based on what they saw yes. prior to then. So they they could reach out to them and and pr- maybe provide them with a defibrillator to have in the home. Just in case something something happened, and that was a you know low low cost alternative to perhaps losing someone's life or a major uh, hospital event. So. And you know, folks listening to this podcast may wonder, you know, is this safe? Is this secure? This sounds right. scary, right? Yeah. Why? Is, where's my it can data? Sound scary. My yeah. data's out there flowing, and it's my healthcare data, which people are just a little extra protective of. Mm-hmm. So appropriately, you know, yes, shares you know, taking some additional steps. You know, you know, we don't keep any data on state systems. We house all our clinical data with an EMR vendor, just like your doctor does, and a, and a cloud-based mm-hmm. EMR vendor. Um, we spend a lot of time doing patient matching. We get, on average, 15 million messages each month from all our connected organizations. So that's 15 million different bits mm-hmm. of data on different <laughs> people that we have to make sure that, is this Craig Wilson mm-hmm. is this Ann Sanifer. So we spend a lot of time doing that. And then ultimately, as a patient, you always have the right to opt out of this. Mm. And opting out just means, hey, you can't share my data electronically. You have to use more traditional methods like paper or faxing, which it's not always secure. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. At least <laughs> I get, can track and I can tell you exactly who's looked at your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> let's get rid of the fax, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's always going to be providers who are hesitant to do the share system. What's what's the pitch to them? What do they feel comfortable doing? Because mm-hmm. that's, you know, I think a lot of times people that work in technology, they think this is the way. If you want to work with us, you have to do X, Y, Z. And that's just not realistic, you know. So we take this approach of what do you feel comfortable doing? Mm-hmm. Is it, do you want to start just by getting access to this portal that we have, that you can just look at information that others have fed us? 
So then you are aware of what's happening to your patients. Are you, are you, do you feel comfortable sharing just bits of it, you know, with the behavioral health providers? Is it just medications and allergies and diagnosis? That's okay. It's okay to start small because what we've learned is when folks start getting used to getting this information, they want more and they want to engage more, you know, and with us feeding data to the health plans, that's potentially another piece of paper they're not going to have to send over to them. Yeah. Right. Another piece of paper. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So my last question, for those interested in getting involved in health information technology as a career, what's your advice? You know, getting into programming, learning some programming, learning, learning (laughs) to develop, um, you know, data, business analysts, folks that work in um, analytics, um, is something that we need more of here in Arkansas. But ultimately, I think to be successful in a health information type of career, you have to also understand the why behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how is this going to make our providers, doctors' lives easier? Mm-hmm. How is this going to better my experience as a patient? Mm-hmm. You know, and understanding the whys behind it will drive the technology because data is data, whether you're working with healthcare, you know, or transportation, logistics data, it's just data. But understanding the why and and the reason behind you're doing something and how it's going to improve and make healthcare more efficient is is really this key. See, I told you that we weren't going to get too technical, even with a talk about data. Thanks so much, Anne, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder, The views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. And again, thanks for listening.